Welcome to the Trail Ahead. I'm your host, Trail Echo. This program is brought to you by the Fortune Drawn Co-op. I'm here again with my guest, Troy Wolf. Uh, the last episode, you heard us having a conversation about um, the wildfires around Blueberry because um, they were very close to the community and the efforts that were done and the inspirational people that were involved and volunteering and showing up from all over Western Canada. Um, but this episode, I would like to introduce Troy Wolf a little better. So Troy Wolf is a counselor out in Blueberry River. He is a young counselor. Um, and he is also a film school graduate. And you have made a short film, right? <clears throat> it's not something I want to brag about because um, usually your first ones are pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. But definitely gave it a shot. Um, it's... Uh, Thanks for that intro. Um, I am a counselor at Blueberry, and I have studied film. Mm -hmm. And when I moved away, uh, which was a pretty big step for me at the time. Could I ask you about that really quick? Yeah, go ahead. So what was was moving away? Because you grew up in Blueberry. Yes. Well, in and out. Yeah, Yeah. in and out. Like, what was it like moving away from your community to go to school? It was definitely um, the biggest decision I had ever made and um, honestly the best decision I ever made because it forced me to really I guess spread my wings I don't want to say spread my wings (laughs) (laughs) it helped me to learn be uh, to to learn to be a lot more independent yeah and to kind of see something different and I know when I stayed here, like, um, growing up after you graduate, it's kind of normal for everybody just to go into, uh, oil and gas because that's where the money is. Yeah, it's abundant. That's what I did. Yeah. And everybody, we all have this kind of arbitrary list to like have a kid, get married, buy a house. And it's like, which is perfectly fine, Mm -hmm. um, for everybody, everybody can, if they're if that's absolutely what they want and fulfillment in their life then absolutely and I know for me um, I had grown up with um, storytellers mm-hmm. and um, I remember going on drives going on hunts where the only thing I didn't really care if we ever got anything the mm-hmm. only thing I cared about was the stories that we heard yeah. and all the traditional stories that we heard And I found those so compelling and so interesting. And I had my favorite stories. And I knew, like, it wasn't... That was just, like, really just a part of life. Mm -hmm. Like, hearing those from your parents, from your grandparents. And um, you don't really understand how significant those are until you're a lot older. And you start living your own life. And you start seeing the outside world. Mm -hmm. And I was actually talking with a cousin of mine... He grew up away from the reserve, but he's done many different things, traveled all over the world, moved to China for a bit, everywhere else. And we've, yeah, we've talked about this because it seems like every time something kind of takes you away from your home and your family and your culture, it starts making you be more introspective and, and start asking those questions of like, where I come, where, where do I come from and who am I? And um, just cause like, I remember when I, I lived in Vancouver, all my classmates, I went to very, 
um, international school. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I was the only one from Canada, sometimes the only one from BC. Mm-hmm. And I looked at a lot of my friends there. Like my Swedish friend had Sweden. He can call home, speak their own language. My mm-hmm. Italian friend had Italy. My Brazilian friend had Brazil. Well, Brazil's kind of different because they speak Portuguese. Yeah, they, yeah, they have So maybe that's not a good well. example. Um, but yeah, so they everybody had their own identity and to know where I come from I do know that we do come from somewhere and there is significant history here but it's not very well taught and it would it's just the the people in our lives the elders they actually are our connection to that culture and and it made me really appreciate um, my upbringing and all the stories and lessons that I had learned because that gives me that little sense of identity mm-hmm. and it makes me like say like we are prominent here like there yeah. is more substance here than just the stereotypical whatever you see on yeah. tv and movies before is like when you hear the drums the bad guys are coming yeah and that's all really it was there was really no other no narrative yeah that was a depiction of what native americans were as yeah. a whole yeah but like even here you go four hours up the highway there are different people you go across the river there mm-hmm. are different people as yeah. well yeah so it and it's like that question about culture is a really interesting conversation because i heard uh, heard not that long ago where somebody says the culture influences the way you live mm-hmm. and then if you kind of apply that to us and how our people traditionally lived was that was our culture mm-hmm. but then if the way we lived is so interrupted and um kind of infiltrated from all sides mm-hmm. the culture is going to be corrupted in its own little way and yeah. for us to really help ourselves identify and and see who we actually are um we have to have those conversations of yeah. what this actually means because like um I don't know. It's it's like yeah. It, it is a it's a tough conversation to have, yeah. um, and it's a sensitive conversation to have. It's intricate. It is. It's very intricate. Like I heard a quote from I forget his first name, but I, I want to say his name was Jim Davis. But he was an anthropologist. I was listening to it wasn't a TED talk, but it was just an open dialogue, like an hour and a half long. I think you can find it on YouTube. His last name's Davis, though. But he's an anthropologist. And he was talking about indigenous cultures, and he said that. The culture is the glue of society. And I was like, man. Like, but, like, as Donazo people, our culture is, like, we have an oral tradition. Mm-hmm. Like, our his, our culture is storytelling. It's drumming. Because we were semi-nomadic. Like, I was listening to um, Jerry, actually, last week. Um, and he was taught... Uh, we had a lunch and learn with the staff out in Doig. And he was telling them about, like, pre-colonial history... And the names and dates that guy can come up with is like incredible. Like his, yeah. na- like naming and dating to the day, oh, wow. back to the forties. And I was like, how do you remember this? But he was telling, he was teaching us that, like Dunazaw people, we would go down to Charlie Lake, and where like the school is and the highway is now. That's where there used to be hundreds of t- of uh, teepees there. Yeah, and that's where people would meet, and then they'd move down to the river. Um, after that and then from there they would cross the river go over to like Puskupi area and then from there go over like horse lake area over 
and follow the Smoky River to Grand yeah, Prairie, like, and then the territory is actually really yeah. massive. But even like even knowing those dates, I remember um, who was it? Like there was an elder my mom had talked to, and she said that that elder told her she remembers like it was towards the Cherry Lake area. Um, they remembered just this massive line of like wagons and horses and stuff, like mm-hmm. like literally thousands of like our people coming over the hill. But that was before like the Spanish flu came by, mm-hmm. which devastated a lot of it. Yeah. And just to know, like, maybe just over 100 years ago, 150 years ago, like, how prominent a lot of those things were. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... <clears throat> it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, well, you have a background in film. Hopefully you can start storytelling. And then even with this radio show here, with this radio show podcast... Um, you can start getting that information out there, get the yeah. history out there bit by bit. Well, and, and that's why I like um, seeing a lot of First Nations people get into the arts is because you start to get your own interpretation of that culture. Mm-hmm. And not to say that like anything you do is wrong, because that's one thing I actually did worry about before. Um, it was a it was a teacher I, I had uh, a conversation with because I told him my plans. I, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like a lot of my people's stories and we're not very represented. And I want to do something that kind of represents us and just like show like, like essentially introduce ourselves saying this is who we are and this is where we come from. And what he said was like, that's a massive responsibility. And I would be worried and like really yeah. kind of just kind of, like more depi- or less shot it down yeah, yeah depicting yeah because like those like the old stories you'd want to really depict them like 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 to a t that's what yeah. sammy tells me because he's like a storyteller well, and, and he's like yeah d-, he's like i tell stories he's like but i only tell just a little bit of it he's like stories are hours long mm-hmm. and some people like nowadays we just don't have in our fast pace yeah we have the tiktok world. brain yeah we have tiktok brains yeah. or our low um low attention span. yeah <laughs> yeah we can't sit or people just don't have the attention to sit there for a whole story but that's how it used to be people like you said like when people gather like around charlie lake with hundreds of teepees people would stay there for a week and they would be storytelling the mm-hmm. entire time well they probably go like fishing getting um uh, i think it was whitefish or suckerfish that were in charlie lake originally and then they would go fishing and then pick berries at the same time and just story tell stories all night long yeah. and that would be amazing to see yeah it'll be different now though for sure yeah for sure. Well, and, and that's one thing I was taught, too, is that when those stories that I grew up with, um, it was always so important to, it was always so important to keep this story how it is, because, mm-hmm. like, it, it, it's more than just you. And I've noticed that before when, like, won't name names, but some people will change different aspects of it mm-hmm. just to appease either the moment or themselves or whatever it or might be. Where it's it's like they're making this cultural identity, yeah. this the story, this about more about themselves or in that moment than the whole culture. Like there as is actually a responsibility in telling yeah. the stories, like where there's, there's actual it's like the truth behind yeah. it, where that's a lot more important than just anybody's yeah. ego. Yeah, I, I love this conversation, the selflessness about it. Um, but when we come back, I would like to ask you the importance of um, proper preservation.
Welcome back to the Trail Ahead, brought to you by the Fortune John Co-op. I'm Trail Aku. I am sitting here having an amazing conversation with my guest, Troy Wolf. Um, but yeah, we were talking about the importance of um, proper preservation of stories, mm. or how, like portraying them and telling them word for word. Um, and and like uh, like the arts and yeah, portraying those stories. But like, um, we're both indigenous youth what do you think like what like what's our role as like language learners or story learners or um anything just somebody that gets to be around those stories like what what do you think our duties are to help preserve those stories that's a good question like just learning them really yeah well um i honestly think that like again, we we had mentioned just uh, previously that um, we got to get away from the TikTok brain kind of yeah. attitude of mm-hmm. um, like even uh, instant gratification. Yeah, and because we see the elders like <laughs> sometimes we're like we're so much in a rush we forget to like actually sit down and 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 learn from the elders and listen to those stories because we're so much in a rush constantly and um a lot of times like those things have to be earned or an elder sees something in you and they're like okay this person can handle this story Mm -hmm. at this time and this person still has a little more learning to do before they can hear this story because they won't grasp the actual meaning behind it Mm -hmm. So for us, like, it, it's very, yeah, that's an interesting question just because, like, really, we're just, like, learning about ourselves and how much we want to grow. And when we get so caught up in the moment, um, it's easy just to not think about how the past has impacted us or what we're like the groundwork that we're laying how it's going to affect the future because you have nieces and nephews like i have nieces and nephews and um seeing them grow up like they're going to be learning from us and we actually do have a responsibility to to show that we get the significance of all these stories even if it's like the, the songs the the drumming and um the meaning behind these like, yeah. you, like we have <clears throat> with our with, a lot with our I was I asked myself a question about like what is our cultural identity yeah. just just for the art's sake and because mm-hmm. thinking about doing different projects of like this is what Dunizal art looks like mm-hmm. and because that's um you see different influences from it um like you see on the moccasins there's a lot of things that are land-based with flowers mm-hmm. very colorful flowers oh, yeah, yeah. like we have trail to heaven uh, certain drawings on drums and stuff yeah. and um even for like what i what i had mentioned i think in the last episode um about me being able to drum with you guys yeah. is it was fulfilling a a childhood dream for me yeah. and me not knowing what the protocol was exactly yeah. and yeah, I think it, it just really showing interest and and putting in that work ourselves to mm. want to learn. Yeah. It's a lot. I think around drumming, like it's still pretty old school. Like um, I don't know, like it's my job now as like um, the drum group coordinator, well, cultural coordinator, yeah. um, out in Doi. 
to like um, get the drum group to different events or hold events like the tea dance we had um, back in early spring um, but like it's still pretty old school like who drums like because um, not everything is like it's not like there's not specific rules it's like a slow progression of um, like even me learning to drum like it was took years of like just like being persistent and being just being there whenever like there was an opportunity to drum just ask and then maybe after a year they'll be like okay like the elders will like look at you and they'll be like okay they'll have conversations within themselves and then they'll say oh like he's serious about it like he's wants to learn Mm -hmm. so let's teach him a little bit just a little bit for now and then they'll teach you one song and tell you to hey remember this song go home and sing it to yourself over and over and over till you can't get it wrong um and then after once you do that you'll do one more and then one more mm-hmm. and then after you learn a few songs you'll be like, okay well those songs have meanings they have stories so i'm going to tell you the story behind this song like the chickadee mm-hmm. song which is guyan's song which he's um currently buried in montney right now mm-hmm. and then um just because of like different data transfers and uh, his grave was found in the 90s, oh, was? but it was put on oh, right. paper maps, but it was put on paper maps in the wrong spot. So there was no GPS back then. So they're GPSing it now and they're re-looking for it. And it's just, um, uh, just Jerry and, um, I forget the other fellow's name, but, the uh, um, original GIS map guy, mm. um, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's a really cool fella. Um, and then. It was just they were just going off their memory. Like, okay, I'm pretty sure it was around the bend of this part of Fish Creek. Um, this is how the hill looked. They were, I was out there with them, and they were explaining exactly what the hill was. And then, like, when they were explaining that, they had to tell the story. So, like, oh yeah, like in his final moments, they still remember this. In his final, well, they have stories about it, like the oral tradition thing. Yeah. And then uh, they had stories that his final moments was on his horse. He was getting to Montney. Um, for um, like meeting everybody in the spring and in the summer because that's where people would gather and uh, um, I, I can't uh, I'll figure out how to say Motney soon um, I was just I literally just thinking about that too uh, but um, yeah he in his final moments he got there on his horse and he was they think he had a heart attack but he his horse went for a drink of water in the creek and then he went up the hill to like a terrace of this hillside and then he stopped and then um his, uh, like he was having like chest pains or something and then he went up and he stopped for a moment and then began again up this trail up to the top terrace and then that's where he had a heart attack and then just fell off his horse and then back then this is before property lines before Fortune John was just a store it was Gatakwa the yeah. cabin in the pond, or in the spruce which was by the, near where the college is now like that's what Fortune that. John was at that time. Oh wow! It might have been before then, actually. I don't remember the date. I don't know if there was. I don't know what the date was. Yeah. But yeah, that's when that happened. And then, he, so he dropped right there, and that's where he died. Mm. He was a dreamer too. And then they buried him. They said within about a hundred meters of that spot, like they just got him to where they knew that the um, the bank of the creek wouldn't wash away, wouldn't slough out. So they put him um, up on the hill a little more, and then that's where we were looking for. But it's all grown over now. Like, there's 40-year-old mm. poplar trees that could be right beside his grave that we just wouldn't see the divot. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I always heard it was by that area. 
Um, and I remember hearing, um, like an elder had told my mom, there's a, there's a spot, you know, where the staging area was, um, before we went out to Mm -hmm. do the volunteer work before we got there, there's blood Creek. There's a hill there. Yeah. There's a hill there. And they said there's an elder buried somewhere around there. But I remember when they actually wanted to get access to someone had bought the land and they were, weren't allowed there. Yeah. Um, but I always remember that too. But I didn't know the specifics about Guyana. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I like like when you came drumming with us. We didn't sing a song, but we sing a song often. He has a chickadee song, and that could be a full episode of just telling that song that song from start to finish. Cause yeah. I'll give a quick synopsis for our TikTok brains. Um, <laughs> um, the chickadee song. He got it from heaven in his dream um, with his wife at their um, winter camp like over across the border near uh, Moose Creek, which is um, just east of us. I haven't been there specifically, but um, I guess my grandpa used to climb there too, but that's that's old, always. Um, but he had the dream of it there, and then he sang it all the way to Montney, so it was about a two-day ride. But when he woke up in the morning, he's like, told his wife, he's like, I had this dream, I got this song, you need to dance. So when he started singing, uh, uh, no, it wasn't the chickadee song it was a prairie chicken song i got that wrong so yeah we gotta make sure you portray it properly this sammy <laughs> like that i mixed that up but it was a prairie chicken song and then the prairie chicken started dan or he started singing the prairie chicken song uh, his wife was dancing around their fire at their camp and then all the prairie chickens from everywhere heard it and then they were she was dancing with prairie chickens and then he sang that song on his, on horseback all the way there um, not when he passed away, but this was, like, before he passed. So he went there, shared it with everybody, and then that's... It's actually a great example of um, the oral history. There was yeah. no written records. It was people gathering and sharing. Yeah. Well, I, I've never heard of that story before. Yeah. That is so cool. I don't... Uh, <clears throat> I remember we were talking about this before, and just practicing on our own um, to get those get those songs right. I know... I think we spoke of one where I, I told you the track it is on the link that you had sent and I was practicing the song and like I have to put the, the, the radio loud when I do because I still can't hear myself sing mm-hmm. it's too cringy for me <laughs> but you you said like it was um, uh, a coup song oh, yeah. and you said that it's the same one that you like when you first started track number five yeah man. that's yeah. the one and there's something about that, like, when, like, that's why I tell everybody, if you ever get a chance to go to a powwow, because you get such a, a visceral, visceral feeling mm-hmm. of the drum and the song and the environment, because, like, with the drum, it's, like, a lot of times, that's the first thing every single human being hears, it's it's the beating of their mom's heart yeah. and within the womb, mm-hmm. and, like, when you get that feeling and like that's what i got from that song was that that something about that song just spoke out to me where i like i still don't know the story behind that song Mm -hmm. i'm trying to learn as best as i can um i can't wait to hear what it is but even about all those like i always wondered about um because we have so many different dreamers and elders that had Mm -hmm. sang those songs throughout Mm -hmm. generations i remember um there was one time when uh, I was wondered why it was we never really heard drumming growing up. It was only just at funerals, which was like sad occasions. Yes. Yeah. Then something should have been 
more celebrated. But I remember uh, I was sitting at one of them and I was just staring at the drummers. I wanted to drum with them. And it wasn't until this last song. Something about that song was just so impactful for me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to ask, I think it was um, Uncle Sammy that I asked, like, like whose song was that? Like, what was that? And that was the, the first dreamer. And I still can't say his name. Every time I try, Maggie Unitone. The I I I practice like <laughs> it's it's tough. I've heard I've it over and over. Tried, so. Yeah. Anyways, it was his song, yeah. and the fact like he's like over like 550 years ago, and this this kid that just grew up here in and out of the res and grown up around Fortune John, and the fact that like, that's his original song that's been carried on for over. 550 years Mm -hmm. and it still speaks to our people it's like that that goes to show like there's there's so much substance here and so much to to learn like it's actually pretty incredible to to take a look at i love this conversation but we're gonna have to take a quick break and we'll be right back more with this same conversation Welcome to the Trailhead. I'm your host, Trail Echo. This program is brought to you by the Fortune John Co-op. This is our Beaver Word of the Week. Um, to go along with me and Troy's conversation, uh, we mentioned Motney, and we mentioned where happiness dwells. So I'm going to give you a Beaver Word of the Week, and I'm also going to give you a bit of a history lesson. So Motney is, after, is actually named after um, one of the first family heads or one of the first recognized chiefs here in the Peace Region. His name was Chief, uh, Chief Mutanei which I am not saying that properly, but that's okay. I'm getting it close, and I'm just trying. So, but that's who it's named after now. Before it was Motney, it was um, Sune Chigechi. That's Sune Chigechi, and that means where happiness dwells, because that's where people would gather um, for spring and summer tea dances. They'll gather after a long winter, share stories, meet new family members that were maybe born over the winter. Um, but yeah, so... That's a quick history lesson. So that's our Beaver Word of the Week, Sinej Gechi. Welcome back to the Trailhead. My name is Trail Echo. I'm here with my guest, Troy Wolf. Um, this is an amazing conversation. I love this. Like, talking about drumming, like, I've, for the last few years of my life, I've dedicated my life to, like, drumming and learning and helping it transfer onto our generation because the older generations time doesn't stop they're they're eventually going to pass away one day as sad as that is so it's like super important that we need to learn as much as we can from them while mm-hmm. we can well and, and yeah because that like remembering these things like the, the the culture um these lessons that we learn um it shows the importance and and it's it's a way to hang on to and remember a lot of the people that had passed mm-hmm. and their influence on a lot yeah. of it. And the stories like, kind of explain yeah. who we are, mm-hmm. where we belong. Um, the areas are like people be like, oh, your family's from this area. I've been told I'm from, I'm pointing east right now, but my uh, family's like trap line back in the day was over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all over because everybody did seasonal rounds. But yeah, I would love to continue this conversation with you because this is important and this is amazing but um yeah so this episode we talked a bit about film Mm -hmm. um um indigenous influence in arts and 
the importance of drumming and oral history and just culture as indigenous people. Um, but I want to talk about film. You directed a commercial. Um, well, I was I was definitely a part of the creative part, yeah. and um, that was a part of my one of my duties with Blueberry because I did have a little film experience. Um, we did get a lot of the all the with that commercial. It was more just to inform people about the treaty rights and what mm-hmm. that actually means, yeah. and trying to make it as inform informative as possible because it was it's. I know with, with a lot of things, like, I don't want it to be divisive, and especially with something you don't understand, yeah. any kind of word can be a little bit triggering, or it could set something off where it's like, oh, they mean this, but if you say this mm-hmm. word, and, but, like, really trying just to get, um, for our people and our neighbors and everybody to understand, like, they're, this is what this actually means, mm-hmm. and, um, it was actually, it was really... Um, interesting to make it we like all the voices are from blueberry members yeah, yeah. and even like some of the um, the animation that we used uh, were from pictures and and uh, different things from the land actually and yeah. getting influence from that and um, some quotes directly from yeah. the treaty which is actually super interesting it was really fun to make and uh, we are actually working on uh, another one, Sweet. and we are doing a documentary at the moment as well, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, where can people find that commercial? So that time? specific commercial we can get on the Blueberry website, or if you want the direct link, it is where happinessdwells.ca. Yeah, and if you can't find it, it's just on the Blueberry website, and you'll see a, a yeah. little. It's on the banner yeah. there. Yeah. So those of you that want to look into that further, um, the Blueberry website is blueberryriverfirstnation.com. Yeah, blueberryfn.com. Yeah, and so that's where you can find um, more information about Troy's work, uh, Blueberry River, um, and treaty rights. Mm. Um, I'd just like to thank you one more time, Troy, for joining me. This is a lovely conversation. Yeah. And I hope to have you on again. Definitely. Yeah, this was fun. I feel like um, we just kind of... Um, just touched on the tip of the iceberg, and yeah, there's more there's, to come. there's a, so much to talk about. Even with like you talk about like influences, and, like like from different areas, yeah. and um, like how the Dinosaur people are part of like the bigger Athabascan nation. We Ath- get yeah, influ- Athabascan language group. Different influences from everywhere, and some drumming sounds familiar from like Lower Alberta to the Yukon, and yeah. like it, it's a little bit different. So it's like. Getting those influences, some completely yeah. different, like from the coast yeah. and other stuff. It's yeah. it's really, yeah. Like, could definitely talk about all this. Yeah, we all day. will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for joining me and Troy um, in our conversation. Um, this is the Trail Ahead, brought to you by the Fortune John Co-op. I'm Trey Alaco. This is my guest Troy Wolf. Thanks so, for inviting me. Yeah, appreciate it.